Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com care what Cynthia has said. I'm just telling you that she has. Not only that, you spoke to someone else that we both know in common, and unfortunately for you, they recorded everything you said. Bad bitch quote comes from none other than OG of Real Housewives of Atlanta, Nene Leakes. She has revealed that somebody has recorded Cynthia Bailey talking shit about her and it's all about to come out. I think after years and years and years, we're finally getting the blooming of Cynthia's bitch flower. Now, is it a lovely night blooming jasmine? Yes, but I'm ready for it. I think that... I'm really sad to announce, (laughs) no, I'm not. I'm sad that the Nini that I loved so much in the beginning of the series is not the one that we're getting now. I think that she's going through a lot. um, And I think that she's not handling it very well. I, I don't know. I've always been of the opinion that she and Greg's relationship works best when he is kind of like the assistant (laughs) and kind of like just lets her be the star of the show is behind the scenes doing for her. And I think that that's kind of like how their relationship seems to work out best at this point. Now that she's famous, Um, it's interesting to see like, why am I talking about Nene and Greg? But I have a lot of opinions because I haven't been able to talk about this stuff on a podcast before. <laughs> um, I think in terms of like Nene and Greg, I just think that like when he got cancer, obviously that was stressful enough in its own. But I also think that, you know, obviously your relationship dynamic shifts drastically. Now Greg can't be the person that 
you need him to be because he's fighting his own battles. And I'm sure that comes with his own frustrations. I'm sure that he, you know, is probably not the nicest because it's very difficult. (laughs) You're sick and you don't feel well. And I think that that really rocked their relationship. And so I'm wondering, it's interesting to me because I think this is like the only relationship on housewives that we've seen like them break up and get back together and like try to figure it all out and sort of like beat that, um, uh, vow renewal curse, so to speak, and just sort of watch the evolution of their relationship. But anyway, my point is (laughs) that I think that Nini has, gone through a lot and I think that she really tries to hide it all and I think she comes off as the villain um a lot a couple episodes ago Cynthia said that and I I agree with her on this that like Nini has kind of always been allowed to be this like loud mouth kind of mean girl and so when people see Cynthia do it for once they're kind of like more disappointed in her than they would be for Nini's consistently bad behavior And I can see how that would be frustrating because we all get to a point where like, you just want to be petty or you deserve to be petty or, you know, something's going to piss you off. And it's, it's hard to be the one who's always being like the peacemaker, the one who rises above when like, you know, we're all human and we're all complicated beings and things, you know, we don't always react the way that we should. Um, With that being said, I think Nini also brought up a great point is of like, you guys don't see what I see in terms of Cynthia. You guys don't see that she is a shady person and that she has always been this way, but she's been able to hide behind people who are willing to be more mouthpieces and, and be more open about that. So I personally was like at the end of last season was like shocked at the season finale where Cynthia obviously had brought Kenya and whether or not she wants to say that it was just as much as a surprise to her that Kenya showed up, she clearly invited her. Like, yeah, maybe Kenya didn't agree to come 100% when you invited her. So you can't really say it was a surprise (laughs) when you invite somebody. Um, It's a surprise. I think she really got, is trying to get off on a technicality. Like, I'm trying to put this under the guise of like, I'm surprised that, she even showed up, but it's just because she didn't guarantee you that she was going to come. Um, and then that audio of her telling Mike Hill, just pretend like you didn't know she was coming. I mean, that was all very damaging. And I'm, I'm really interested. I've been waiting since last season to see what um, is going to become of that. Um, I'm ready for it. I think Atlanta has been, you know, it's, it's, much better than Beverly Hills and Orange County have been in seasons, but it's still bad for Atlanta. Um, so I'm interested in seeing like the, um, the ladies sort of reveal different sides to themselves. And I'm also finding that like, typically don't love the like babies and marriage uh, storylines, but this is basically all we're getting in terms of Atlanta because everybody's either pregnant or expecting or, just had a baby or, you know, was engaged or newly married. I actually am really loving it. I think maybe it's better like when everybody's going through the common thing and not just like one or two of you guys making it like the focus of the whole thing. But 
I am thrilled Atlanta's back. I really want to talk more about the housewives when I can. Um, there was a lot of people asking, um, because Vicky on Orange County had made some, I guess, transphobic. I don't know, but basically they were going to, they're in Miami for their cash trip and they were going to go to a drag show. And Vicky said, Something along the lines of, like, I don't understand drag. Like, men dressing up as women, like, I don't get it. Sorry, drags. She referred to them as drags. But I think, you know, like, when people aren't really... Clearly, Vicky is an ignorant woman. So I don't think she sees much of a difference between people in drag and trans people, which is problematic within itself. But also to call people drags is also problematic because you know that like if she had known the correct term she probably would have said like sorry trans you know but anyway the question was posed to a lot of people people were posing the question a lot last week is vicky transphobic or homophobic and i have to say are you blind are you deaf (laughs) vicky is not only transphobic not only homophobic she's racist she said many racist things about like Latina people and excuse me, Latinx people and a lot of things. I this is like the one thing that I was kind of nervous about having more diversity on the original um, Housewives cast is that I would never want a black woman on Orange County. I would be terrified of what she would hear that they wouldn't even think about thinking that that was offensive. I would be very, very scared. Um, Where am I going with this? I don't know. I just love talking to housewives. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Maybe I'll go more in depth (laughs) with it next week. Um, But yeah, let's get on with the show. I'm recapping the last episode of 90 Day Fiance, and I have a couple other things that I wanted to talk about. There's a Kardashian corner, so let's get started, y'all. Hello, come in, get comfortable, take your shoes off, and grab a blanket because we're going to settle on into the Kardashian corner right now. There, there are a few things that we can count on the Kardashians for these days, and there really wasn't a whole lot to begin with. The famous Christmas card is basically just whoever happens to be gl- in glam at the same time. Nobody seems to be properly managing North's career, which, you know, is a big problem for me. And for some reason, Kendall's selling toothpaste. But dear Chloe, always a reliable one, has given us a little bit more of Tristan and Jordan drama before the decade ends. Two weeks ago on Keeping Up, Chloe was the subject of the main storyline in which we see Tristan going behind Chloe's back to splash out on some jewelry. Fortunately for everyone, it was not him giving a pearl necklace to some random woman he met at the club, but he actually was in cahoots with twins Malika, Kate, and Ashley in order to get Chloe a diamond necklace. They go into a talking head and say that they think that this is nice and that they were happy to help. So, like, here's issue number one with me because it's kind of like Chloe's birthday episode and she has a party and tells us later in the episode that Malika and her then-boyfriend, rapper OT Genesis, like, basically sat Chloe down and told her that they thought that Chloe and Tristan should give it another go and that, like, this wasn't the end of the road for them. Now, like, I'm not one to judge, except for when I devote hours of my life to doing exactly that for this podcast and my own sick pleasures, but 
guess who I wouldn't be taking advice from? (laughs) Malika. She might be the only chick on the planet who has a worse love life than Chloe, and she's now pregnant with OT's kid, but you wouldn't know that because she refuses to claim him as a father and instead subjects us to pretty little thing spawn con. Clearly, I need to talk to somebody about my feelings about Malika, but anyway, the point is that let me know how you guys feel. I think that, like, as we age and our romantic relationships get more layered and more complicated and, you know, like, not we're not frivolously frivolously throwing ourselves into things like we were in our 20s. Um, I think that we kind of got to stay out of things, you know? Like, I'll be damned if my friend's husband tries to get me in on some scheme after cheating on my girl, you know? First of all, I think it was completely calculated on Tristan's end to use the twins in order to get on Chloe's good side. You don't think that, like, he didn't clock Malika for the Nicholas Sparks ass bitch that she is and knew that he could use that in the future. It seems like Chloe to me has made like a lot of personal progress in terms of her heartbreak and her confusion with regard to Tristan. If I mean, I pretty much only judge it by how many memes she posts a day about like finding love and having lost. And that was like greatly decreased. Do you remember like when she was really going heavy on the like, oh, everything's going to be okay, and this is stronger, and people hurt your feelings, but you're going to be a rock. You know, you're going to do okay. Good God. Thank God that's over. (laughs) But basically, like, towards the end of the show, Chloe goes on to, like, wax sentimental about the future of her relationship with Tristan and hoping that like true can see them having a healthy co-parenting relationship. And of course the internet had a lot to say. They were mostly disappointed with Chloe's ability to like be so open to reconciliation with Tristan and not keeping that same energy of forgiveness with Jordan. So then she goes on Insta stories and she posts very long posts to kind of air things out. So she says, I'm seeing a lot of commentary about last week's episode of keeping up with the Kardashians. As much as I hate speaking on all of this, because I'm sure everyone is so over it as am I, I'm frustrated. F R U S T R A D E D. That people try to create something that's really not there. I don't hold any negative or hateful feelings towards anyone. All caps. I mean that. Life is short. We're all humans trying to figure it out, figure out this thing called life. Who am I to condemn somebody else? Yes, I'm allowed to feel hurt and pain. It would be unnatural for me to pretend as if I don't. Personally, I don't want to be carrying around a hateful heart. I crave peace in my life. Me holding on to hate is only going to hurt me in the end. I have chosen not to pollute my heart and my energy by holding on to anything negative. I am allowed to forgive. Forgiveness is a strength and not a weakness. I'm allowed to forgive people that, but still not accept their behaviors. I'm also allowed to protect my space. I'm allowed to choose who I want in my life and who I do not. I'm also allowed to wish people well and sincerely mean it. Doesn't mean I have to be their best friend. I want nothing but beautiful blessings for everybody and that has ever been in my life, regardless of what they have done or not done to me. 
I want people to be ki kinder in this world. We're all here to live and experience life. Therefore, we may make mistakes along the way, and if we are lucky, we will grow from every mistake we make. If we're blessed enough, we get to be we get to grow to be incredibly kind and beautiful people. I wish that for everybody in the world. I want peace and happiness for all. I've given it to God. I've been working on me from the inside out. I crave peace and happiness in this new year and forever after. Um, and then she posts another one that said, the reason why I decided to post my previous post is because I'm seeing a lot of back and forth with people asking, why don't I keep that same energy with Jordan? That message is for Jordan. It's for anyone else who has ever hurt me. For some reason, people want to assume that I'm only talking about Tristan. This message applies to all parties involved in situations that have ever hurt me, men, friends, family, work associates, anyone who played a role in my pain. I've moved on, found forgiveness, and wish you only happiness and joy. My life won't be consumed with hate. I've chosen to occupy my life with positivity. Every day I choose to find good in my day. To choose this daily doesn't mean I have to, excuse me, to choose this daily doesn't mean I don't have bad days, but my good days are so much better than my bad ones. We're all human and make mistakes, myself included. Hate is heavy, and I'm tired of carrying all of that weight around. So later on that day, um, Jordan actually posted something on Instagram that was basically along the lines of, like, you know, like, people are haters and they talk about you. <laughs> Let me see what it says. Okay. Um, so she... Okay. Sorry, you guys. Okay, so she posted on Instagram, someone somewhere is still discussing the old you because they don't have access to the new you. And then at the bottom of that, Jordan wrote facts and the 100 emoji. So then obviously, because this came out like right after Chloe had posted that stuff on Instagram, Jordan then came back and said, not every quote that is posted is a sub or a quote clapback, and not everything posted is direct directed toward one person in general. I deal with a lot of different shit daily. It's all love, only positive vibrations, prayer emoji, and red heart emoji. So I don't know. I mean, I can understand all sides of it. Do we think that Jordan was trying to shade Chloe or not? Because apparently today, Monday, um, Jordan is going to be, they're going to be airing like a special clip of Jordan on the red table talk that was not aired previously. Um, you know, right after all the Jordan, the Tristan stuff happened, she was on red table talk with Jada Pinkett Smith and, so apparently there was a clip in which they, which Jordan did a, um, a lie detector test and they didn't air it. And so I think the rumor is that they're supposed to be airing it some point later today. So we'll see what happens with that. I, I mean, I think that was a really cheesy move on Jordan's part. And I kind of think that like at this point I would be like calling uncle Will and auntie Jada to be like, maybe you don't clip this or show this clip because I think it's, it's not, it's not a good look. I think it kind of makes it seem like she still feels some type of way to me because she's so close to the Smith family that I think that she could nip this in the bud if she wanted to and tell them like, I don't want to continue this narrative. So I don't know. I'm, I'm confused about like what it is that Jordan's doing at this point. I don't love a lie detector moment. I, I think it's very, very cheesy and very lame. I mean, first of all, we know they're not really accurate, but like, I don't know. I, I just think it's really stupid. 
Um, so let me know what you guys think. Like what it, I heard a lot of people saying that they thought that maybe Chloe and Tristan were kind of low key back together or talking, you know, or maybe heading towards that direction. It seems very obvious that like Tristan wants to be back together. I think mostly because like his name is dirt now and like who wants to, I, I can't imagine that the kind of girls that Tristan wants to hook up with want to hook up with him anymore. And so I think he feels kind of stuck because, um, like over the summer, he was spotted on a yacht with his first baby mama, Jordan. Yeah, her name is also Jordan, Jordan Craig. And they were like rumors of them getting back together and blah, 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 and this and that. And then apparently that like was DOA pretty quickly. So I just think Tristan is a mess. I think he needs a lot of therapy. And I think he needs to go back to Ohio and to really think about what he's doing with his life. So there we are. That's the end of the Kardashian corner. Not as cozy (laughs) at the end as we we were in the beginning, but here we are. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about Justin Timberlake being found with his co-star, um, canoodling I really hate that word (laughs) but they were basically I don't even know if canoodling counts in this case but they were caught like kind of being touchy-feely with each other hands on the knees hands on the legs whatnot um and so shockingly Justin actually responded to this and posted on his Instagram of course the classic iOS Instagram press release he said I I stay away from gossip as much as I can. Yeah, like completely not supporting Janet during the Super Bowl incident. Um, But for my family, I feel it's important to address recent rumors that are hurting the people I love. A few weeks ago, I displayed a strong lapse in judgment. Just a few weeks ago, I guess, and not the entire relationship that they have, but whatever. But let me be clear. Nothing happened between me and my co-star. Like that he doesn't even name her. Like how rude. I drank way too much that night and I regret my behavior. I should have known better. This is not the example that I want to set for my son. I apologize to my amazing wife and family for putting them through such an embarrassing situation. Um, have you guys seen the picture? I think it was like the people cover for their wedding announcement where he's like jumping up in the air and she's like sitting like that's an embarrassing situation. But anyway, I'm focused on being the best husband and father and I can be. Okay, maybe we're just starting today. This was not that. Sure wasn't. I'm incredibly proud to be working on Palmer, which I guess is the name of the movie. Looking forward to continuing to make this movie and excited for people to see that. So get that promo, sis. You shouted out to the uh, movie, but not um, actually naming your co-star. Cool. To be honest with you, I really don't have a whole lot to say, but just like... Okay, girl. Like, we all know that he's not been faithful to her the entirety of their relationship and that he's not going to be in the future. So I, why this, like, now that you've been caught, do you want to, like, pussy pop on Instagram and be apologetic? I just think it's, like, really stupid. So, okay, girl. Bye. I'm back with another 
90 Day Fiance recap. I'm going to start with Anna and Marcel because they were the first couple up, not because they're at all the most interesting. Um, Anna's still, as we can expect, stressed about Marcel and the boys, namely the oldest boy, Joey, have basically shut down since Marcel revealed that his family has no idea about the boys. Um, Anna asks them you know, like, what can I do to get you to hang out with them? Joey says, like, you guys, you guys got to pay me $25 a minute to spend time with him. Um, they then go tuck shopping for the wedding. In the car, Joey says, Marcel's going to wear some sort of barbaric headdress. Yikes. Now, this is another point of, like, Anna not speaking up and not saying the right things at the time and just letting things just so passive to the point where it's like really a detriment to everybody. I thought that was like incredibly racist and problematic and she really should have nipped it in the bud right then. And I hope they did that she did and maybe they just cut it out. But I thought that was really gross. Um, they're like getting dressed and (laughs) the outfits, I gotta say, not great. You know, that classic, like, well, it's not classic, but the thing that the blue that's like really popular now is that that kind of like grayish blue, but it was like, ugh, like the Walmart version of that color. And I guess they were doing like gold bow ties because honey, I assume, but it looked awful besides the point. Um, Marcel is trying to talk to Joey. And by that, I mean, you know, he's going through his app. I gotta say that Marcel seems to be speaking a lot better English. It's like he can read. Like we, we, I don't know. We see him doing much better with the English. Like he can read the translation. It's just, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> or maybe you don't. He, his English is much better. I, he, I, he needs the assistance of the translator app, but once he gets it, like he doesn't read well, but like he reads well enough to be understood for sure. Um, so Marcel basically tells Joey that like, he's not nice. He doesn't give him good energy and that he gives him an ultimatum. Like, if you want me to leave, then I will leave. And Joey was like, oh, it's that easy. (laughs) And it was just very awkward. Again, another moment for Anna to be taking control of the situation. And yet she's just letting Marcel flail. And I think that's really not fair to anybody. It's not fair to her kids and it's not fair to Marcel. Um, Anna then takes the boys for a picnic without Marcel and (laughs) there are parts of the talking head where she looks fine, but then there are other parts where she looks like Tinsley Mortimer at the Big Apple Circus where she's got these really pink blush on her cheeks and her hair is like too tightly curled. Like, it's real tight curl that, like, really needs to be loosened out. Um, <laughs> really makes me sad. Because I actually think that Anna's, like, a really pretty girl. And I think she's, like, really naturally pretty. I just... And and not that even... I actually think she benefits from not wearing that much makeup. Um, you know, makeup's not for everybody. It, it, it's... <laughs> I just wonder who in, who in Nebraska has done that poor girl's makeup. Um, 
so anyway, she's there at this picnic and Anna's like explaining to the boys, I don't want to be alone. You guys are going to grow up. And, you know, I just don't want to live out the rest of my life single. And Joey says, well, why don't you find somebody that we all like? <laughs> and, you know, like I'm a child of divorce. I understand how it can be difficult to have you know, your parents have somebody else in their life and it's not in your control and that maybe you can be a little bit of a brat about it. Um, but again, I just think that Anna is not helping herself and she's not navigating this whole situation well. And now (laughs) we find out that Joey is not even going to the wedding. So we've gone from like him being in the party to like not even going. And Anna starts to cry And in the talking head, she tells the producer, like, that maybe she's not supposed to be happy. And he asks why. And she says, you know, because basically she insinuates that, like, everything in her life has been difficult. And that things don't come easily to her. And then she ends up walking off uh, set. And that's the last we see of them. Um, You guys. The bitch is back. Angela and Michael are back on our screens. Angela comes out like a kick in the head, looking like Hulk Hogan with this like bleach blonde hair, this big black. I, I don't even know if it's like almost it's too thick. To, it's like too wide to be called a headband because it goes like halfway to your halfway to the back of your skull. But I mean, truly, she looks like um Hulk Hogan she's with her friend Dodie and they're getting Botox Dodie says that she likes a woman with a natural look and well let me explain Dodie says that she likes women's facial work to look natural now a lot of you guys don't watch the show but I think we can all imagine that if they ask this lady how she likes her surgery, <laughs> she probably doesn't look all that natural herself. Um, Dodie is a classic, you know, like central Georgia, southern Georgia woman. I'm from north Georgia. I grew up there for most of my life. So, I mean, seeing Angela is like a warm hug you know, from her bosom, it smells a lot like Newport lights. Do they make Newport lights? I don't know. (laughs) But, but, you know, there's warmth there. Um, so naturally, Angela's not one for, um, being demure and she's screaming the entire time. I was told that apparently Botox is, um, not something where people should be leaking, (laughs) once you inject them and there seemed to be a lot of leakage happening so if y'all have Botox let me know um if that's right it didn't look right (laughs) um then we basically get a lot of their scenes were basically just like flashbacks to former seasons because they've been on gosh like two or three iterations of the show at this point um you know they're just, you know, very quickly, we, Michael's never been to America. We've only seen Angela go to Nigeria where he lives. And yeah, I mean, the, basically their biggest struggle is that 
Angela is dramatic and Michael is a liar. And those are two things that should not come together because Angela always has a point because Michael lies about the dumbest things. Like, well, I guess that's not true. The first season, he did get a blowjob from a woman. (laughs) Angela had every right to be upset about that. I will give her that. Everything since then, it seems like Michael's been kind of like on the straight and narrow. Like, it seems like he just lies about stupid things now. And Angela really flies off the handle. Like, there was one time where he took her on this, like, well, he wanted to take her on a boat cruise. However, they did not even make it out of the parking lot because because Angela tricked him because she had seen on social media previously that he had been on this boat before and way in the background was like one or two women talking to two men. So he's taking a selfie and it's literally just like random people in the background. Angela loses it because she doesn't want want Michael to be with women. Even if those women are in the background talking to other men that have nothing to do with him, she lost her mind. So they have a lot of issues surrounding um, fidelity, truth-telling, and now the biggest issue is that Angela wants to have a baby. Well, Michael wants to have a baby. It is, you know, very much in his tradition. He's 31. This is, like, a very important thing to him. Angela's 53, and even though we know that she can, quote, tote a baby, she she doesn't have any eggs left and basically they're trying to get Michael seems to be under the impression that Angela one of Angela's daughters will give them an egg she has said multiple times that she will not be doing that because if it's her egg then it's her baby and she's not going to have her mother and (laughs) uh you know raise her child basically um Angela lives in Hazelhurst, Georgia with her six grandkids, her daughter, Skyla, and her mom, who they just, (sighs) I'm trying to respect our elders. They just flashed quickly to Angela's mother and there was something deeply black and prominent on her chin. And I don't know what it was. It made me nervous. (laughs) I will just say it. I don't want to body shame, but I just, my reaction was that I got scared and I'm sorry for that, but that's my truth. (laughs) Um, of course, did you guys know that the reason why Angela is taking care of six grandkids, I believe only maybe two or three of them are Skyla's. Angela has another child named Scotty. Scotty was on with Angela the first season that Angela was on 90 Day. However, we have not seen Scotty since because Scotty's been in jail. Scotty's in jail for um, basically, like, I believe the charges were that she had sex with a minor in front of her, with children present, like her kids present. And I don't know if they recorded anything, but 
it's a very dark, messed up situation. So that's the reason why Angela has so many kids that she's taking care of. In the next scene, Angela goes to some sort of specialty shop and... I love when they make these people FaceTime people from these, like, random places. Like, I just know that, like, more than likely you're not going to the coffee shop in your, like, local small town. I know that Angela does not naturally step into stores that sell cheese straws and homemade apple moonshine jelly. Um, but that's where she's among, where she is. And she's trying to talk to him, Michael, about the visa interview. He has not done it yet, but he's getting prepared. You know, we all know, like, when you're, um, you know, in a relationship with somebody internationally, they require, the visa people require for you to show proof of your relationship. So, pictures, conversations, all these sorts of things that go you know, that date back through time of your, the duration of your relationship to be able to prove that you guys are actually together. Um, so Michael's saying that he's got all that stuff. He's, he's prepared and Angela freaks out yet again. Like you have to be ready. You can't just be lying to those people on the visa because once, you know, once they see through you, that's it. Um, and she explains to us that she has no desire to go to Nigeria to live with, Michael and that I can't even say his name right Michael and that if he doesn't if she said K1 or done <laughs> that if if anything goes wrong with the visa process they are breaking up um then we head to Nigeria and we actually see a lot more of Michael's life in this episode than we did in all of the other seasons despite the fact that we've only ever seen Angela and Michael in, in Nigeria. So he is like, he has this whole scene with his aunt and he's got a bunch of nieces and nephews and they're playing like the, you know, the Nigerian version of ring around the Rosie. They're playing games. The kids really seem to love their uncle Michael. And he seems to really be like a gentle guy. And his aunt is like, you know, encouraging him to move and how great this is. And, it just seems like he's got like a, a really normal life outside of the show, despite it kind of being presented of as a to us as him being sort of this like philanderer, sort of this guy who kind of like does whatever he wants, and you know. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I, I think I like Michael. <laughs> um... Then he says, he has another scene where he says that he had met with an American 
who was living in Nigeria and that he has like these expat friends. And so he goes to meet up with him, them, they go have lunch. So some of the people are American. Um, I believe one of the girls British. Um, and I think one is from Nigeria. Um, so they're really like no holds barred with Michael about giving him the realities of what he's going to face when he lives in America. A lot of the Americans, only one of the Americans was white. The other two were black. And they're basically like, well, where are you going to be living? He explains to them that they're going to be like in Hazelhurst, which is like four hours away from Atlanta, which is like Atlanta's North Georgia. If you guys don't know, so this is, she's pretty South. Um, four hours in Georgia is like pretty close to Florida. Um, so, you know, they were saying he's going to have a really tough time that he doesn't really know what he's prepared for. That racism in America is like a really big thing and it's not going to help him that he's going to be in the South and in a small town in the South. Um, and he just says like he, plans on kind of sticking to Angela and, but she did tell him that her town is not too segregated, that there are, there is a population of black people, that there are Indian people, you know, and that it's not going to be too bad. Um, but they say that they're worried for him. And (laughs) then he reveals how old Angela is by saying that, you know, like, he really wants to hit the round running when he goes to America. That, like, as a Nigerian man, he doesn't feel comfortable having his woman take care of him. And he's... <laughs> Michael has such a funny way of talking about Angela and her age. Um, previously, he called her an elder, and she flipped out. He called her an elder at the reunion. <laughs> well, he was on um, Skype... She flips out and leaves the stage and you can see Michael laughing <laughs> because he knew he knew he shouldn't have called her an elder and he did anyway. But anyway, um, he tells them that like, even though she's old, she's still very agile. <laughs> she's only 53. Calm down. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, how are you planning on having a baby with this? 53 year old like that's not gonna happen and he's like no I you know I understand IVF I understand how expensive it is like I know what I'm getting myself into like we're just gonna try and make it work I'm gonna try and get Skyla to give us a baby so Angela can tote it oh lord so um yeah they they're all like you're in for a rude awakening not only do you need to keep being friends with us like you need to have 10 more conversations like this before you move to America. So you can really be prepared. Surprisingly, Tanya and Sinjin weren't really on too much this episode, or there wasn't really much to talk about. Um, they're now at 66 days before they're to wed. And Tanya's head- heading to Costa Rica soon. Basically their story, this, whole episode is that Sinjin's really stressed out. He is supportive of Tanya's desire to go to Costa Rica, but he's really not happy. He's not happy about being alone. He says that Colchester's like a really small town to where like he can't just knock on, you know, the, the whole vibe is different. It's not like 
South Africa. That he can't just knock on a neighbor's door. He really doesn't know anybody in America. There's nobody for him to hang out with. And that he's basically, he feels like a teenager again, being stuck in the house with Tanya's mom, Tanya, Tanya's mom, um, and being basically dependent. He asks if he can borrow the car from time to time. And Tanya's mom says that's fine. But like, that he's not going to be sitting around smoking weed and um, playing video games all day, that she expects him to help her out around the house, uh, you know, to do basically everything that Tanya would expect him to do um, moving forward in their relationship. So I think he better get used to it now. She mentions power washing. She mentions pulling weeds, mowing the lawn, this and that and the third. The she shed still is not done, by the way. So let's talk about that. <laughs> um, they, you know, he has to talk with Tanya and he's nervous about, you know, just like being in the house with her mom. And she's like, oh, well, you don't have to worry. Like my mom and I are a lot alike and that, you know, she's very particular. Like, so you should basically be used to that. Sinjin gives a sigh all the way from Kate. <laughs> An eye roll all the way from Cape Town to Colchester. <laughs> I've never seen just the deep, like, oh, you are just like your mother, aren't you? Oh, and now I'm going to be stuck with this woman and I don't even get to have any of the benefits of being in a relationship with her. Um, yeah, he's basically just having a tough time, which like I find hard to believe Tanya's you know, ready to leave. And I'm clapping from the bed that I'm watching this in. And he drives her to the airport. And he says that he, you know, he's like concerned about how often they're going to be able to talk. And Tanya says that like, she expects to be in school five to six days a week and that she wants to take advantage on the weekends of being in Costa Rica because she's never been there. And, And that's fair. And then she also says that, Sinjin is basically like the most dependent boyfriend that she's ever had and that she doesn't really know how to navigate that because she doesn't really need as much as he does. And then she's like, really, it was like, he just wanted to talk once a day, which I don't really find unreasonable. Right? <laughs> like, once a day seems very standard for a long distance relationship or any relationship. If you're on a business trip, I think to talk once a day, I don't think that is asking for a lot. I don't think that's needy. Is it? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, they go to the airport and Tanya does the only relatable thing I've ever seen her do and will ever see her do is what she grabs Sinjin's butt as they're hugging each other and she runs her fingers through his hair. That man has the most beautiful red hair I've ever seen. He's luscious, thick locks. And I would have a baby with him just for that. Um, Tanya leaves. Hooray. We're free. <laughs> um, the next couple we have is just like the most cup tragic of the week and probably of the season, Emily and Sasha. They're still in Russia, but they have less than 24 hours before they are headed to America. This was low key infuriating. So 
Emily is trying to like figure out what she can take, what she's packing. So she's got her clothes. She's packing on the bed. They're both sitting on the bed for as active as, um, Sasha seems to be. He's always laying on the bed somewhere. (laughs) So Emily's packing and she's like, Oh, here are my, um, my workout pants. He was like, yeah, you need those. what (laughs) then she holds up a pair of jeans that she had worn like pre-baby and he was like yeah basically like you need to be fitting back into those again sir what yet never would you hear me say i never I could not believe Emily even says like, you know, like I was really thin before I had the baby. So like, you know, it's like, I'm not really having a lot of help. Um, Sasha, not all of us have 17 hours a day to spend at the gym, especially if, if you're trying to find baby mama number four. And I just could not believe that he was like so disgusting to her. Like, first of all, she looked great. She looked like she had, had a baby, I guess, but she looked great. She is thin. She, I mean, if you've seen the baby, (laughs) that child is like a good, he looks like he weighs a good 50 pounds. He probably came out at 20 pounds. I mean, that is a big child. And uh, he's so, he's so gross. Ugh, I hate Sasha. Um, also we find out that Sasha's only packing like three shirts and a couple pairs of shorts. And Emily's like, why aren't you packing more? Like you're packing basically like a weekend when we're moving to America. And he's basically just like, well, it's warm out. Like I only need a couple shirts, a couple shorts. Like that's not how this works, bro. (laughs) And then he says that he's just going to buy clothes when he gets to America. Emily's worried that. Sasha might be up to something. Gosh, I can't imagine if his whole life is the same way. <laughs> I I can't imagine why anything would be any different, Emily, you dumbass. Uh, okay. Um, Sasha says that he is excited to start a gym and that he wants to swim in the Pacific Ocean. His parents show up to, like, help them. You know, they're going to go to the airport to say goodbye. And apparently it's Russian tradition to... They're, like, running late. The car is coming in 25 minutes. They still have packing to do. But apparently it's Russian tradition um, to sit before you travel because you don't want to upset the spirits, they said. I don't know if it's, like, the spirits within the house so that they don't get upset about you leaving and put like a bad juju on you. I don't know. Sasha says that he knows that it's bullshit, but he just lets his parents do it anyway. And Emily, you could tell is like so stressed out. Like I'm not trying to just sit here and do nothing when, when I have to pack and leave. So Emily's really stressed out. Um, she starts to cry in the car because she's so overwhelmed and her parents, or excuse me, Sasha's parents kind of, can't get a read on whether or not they really like Emily. Um, they seem to have a good read on her, but I don't know if that translates to like, they understand why she does the things that she does, but I don't think they like it. (laughs) Um, so she's crying and they basically said like, 
they think that she's crying because she um, has wanted to be in America so badly that she's just like overwhelmed and that she, I guess maybe is like nervous about something going wrong before they move. Um, but I, I liked his parents. I just am curious, like her, his mom said that she's worried and she should be because of his romantic past. And yeah, she, I don't know. It, it was, it was, it was strange. I couldn't really pick up what they were putting down. Sasha actually starts to cry at the airport. Um, and he hugs his mom and he hugs his dad. They're playing this very sentimental music, but his dad's like, as they're embracing, he's like, you know, talking in his ear and telling him basically kind of like, listen, like, this is your lottery ticket, dude. Like, you take this luck and run with it. And said, I want you to have a better life than I was able to give you. I want, you know, like, you can't, you can only do so much here. Like, please go on and, and make something of yourself. And I thought that was, like, nice, but it also seemed very advantageous. Um, so that was basically the end of them. This was kind of a boring episode, you guys. Um, Blake and Jasmine are heading back from the hotel to his parents' house so they can start living. Um, we find out that Blake's parents are purchasing a house, but they are living in an apartment currently. That once the sale of the house is done, that the plan is that Blake and Jasmine are going to, you know, make that apartment their home. Um, but in the meantime, they're just going to be crashing altogether. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Sure. So Blake's mom seems really nice, but she's like, you know, I'm waiting for my husband to come home, Blake's stepdad, so we can have a talk with Blake and Jasmine about like what's really going on. They ask Jasmine how she feels about like trying to get along with the family. And she says that she wants to, and that she hopes to, but that ultimately her goal you know that she's in a relationship like she's been saying like I'm in a relationship with Blake I'm only here for Blake like it would be great if we all got along but like I'm not here to be friends with your parents I'm here to be married to you which I kind of get but I think it's Blake made a face like "Ooh, I don't like that and my mom's like <laughs> it was a face of my black mama's not gonna like to hear that I know that face <laughs> um so Blake's stepdad gets home and they sit all sit down and they explain to them that because of their religious views that Blake and Jasmine are not to be living with them under one roof. 
they're not to be shacking up together. So imagine how you would feel. If you're thinking, again, this is kind of like Sinjin. If you're thinking that you've got this living situation on lock, I'm trusting you. And now you're finding out that you guys can't live together. And that Jasmine has to, she can stay at the house. It's not like they're kicking her out. She can stay at the house and live with them, but Blake needs to go crash with his brother. And that they're planning on, you know, they're hoping to only be in the apartment for like two more months until they move to the house. But until then, like they're not living together under this house. Jasmine is rightfully really annoyed. Um, They said that they, this was all a misunderstanding. I don't know why they would wait until they're moving in to tell them this, but she says it's all that there was a miscommunication that they didn't know that like, when Blake said that he was going to move moving into the house that Jasmine was going to be there as well. Um, yeah, I, I, it was such an awkward conversation to be having. I couldn't believe it. Um, so basically Blake has to repack his shit and go back to his brother's house. And Jasmine says that she's, you know, she's not having it. She said, I, did not move all the way over here to be in another long distance relationship. I mean, his parents would say like, he can spend as much time as he wants at the house, but like, he's not to spend the night. Um, and Jasmine says that Blake's like, Oh, I figured out soon. And Jasmine says that, you know, they need to find a place soon and that she doesn't care about his parents rules regarding, you know, their religious beliefs that she was not going to be spending the next 90 days sleeping alone. I guess my question is, why don't they just both move to Blake's brother's place? Like, why does, I don't know. I guess, I mean, maybe it's too small for two other people, but I don't, that just seems like more of a compromise to me, but whatever. Good luck to them. (laughs) Um, We're going to end with Michael and Juliana. They have basically just a month left in Juliana's um, visa. So they're, having to hit the ground running really on wedding planning. They hire Danielle and Dan, (laughs) the wedding planners. And this was so funny that they're basically like, you know, this is Connecticut. We're used to this kind of thing. Like we're used to second marriages. We're used to money. We're used to there being big age differences <laughs> and you can tell that they like really wanted to go in and be like yeah we see these creepy white dudes come in with these hot chick hot young chicks all the time like this is basically our clientele <laughs> um then they ask them if this was their first marriage and we find out that surprise Juliana has also been married before. It sounds like it was basically an arranged marriage. She said that she was married at night. Wait a minute. She says that she was married at 19 for a year. She's 22 on the show. I thought they had known each other for like two or three years. I thought that they met when she was like 18 or 19. So what is the... Ooh, I'm going to have to look that up. What actually is the timeline of them getting together? Anyway, basically, um, 
Juliana tells us that her family told her that she would essentially be cursed if she did not marry this man, that like the rest of her life would be bad. And so she felt coerced into marrying him, but that things didn't work out and she had to get a divorce and move back home. And I, I imagine that like, maybe this guy was like a wealth, like he had money. I think that they were like maybe trying to marry her up, which is really sad. It was, it's really sad. Um, they go on to talk more about the price of the wedding and they said that even though they're only planning on having like 30 to 40 people, like 50 people tops at the wedding and they plan on having it at Michael and Juliana's new home, they're still quoting them 50 to $100,000 for a wedding. I cannot believe that. And Juliana can't either. She's like, you would have like multiple weddings for the cost of one of these in, in, um, oh my God, where is she from? In Brazil? Yeah, Brazil. Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. And then they ask about like the breakdown of the wedding guests and they're like, oh, is it going to be half and half? And they say, well, no, it's just going to be like mostly, um, Michael's friends and family and that she's only going to be having a few friends. And then we get more into the complications of like her struggle, I guess the, yeah, struggle, the complications of being from a very poor town and being a very poor person to find yourself in this situation where you're financially comfortable beyond what you could have ever imagined and beyond what you could ever achieve on your own. And she was saying that like, she's sad that she's not going to have any family at the wedding, but that ultimately like it's kind of for the best because she is very uncomfortable explaining to her family how well off she is now. And she doesn't want her family to resent her to look around. And Michael kind of explains like I, when I started to get serious with Juliana, I made the commitment to help her and to help her family when I could. And he mentions the time where her sister had to get hearing aids. So I guess he paid for those, but he was like, you know, I obviously he's not going to be paying for their whole lifestyle. Like he's doing well, but I don't think he's doing well enough to be taking care of an entire family, but I think he wants to do things like here and there when it's important. Um, and basically he just says that like, he, he's struggling to, with like how to be successful to help her family. But he says, you know, if they were to come to America and see this wedding, they would look at the flowers and think that's a month's worth of groceries for us. Like, I think that they would find what was happening there gross. And like, why aren't you, you could be using that money to help us. And I don't know if that's a fair thing to put on her family. I mean, maybe that's genuinely how the impression that he has gotten or that she has given him about her family. But I think it's just more of like, I don't, I hope that they, 
it's it's difficult, right? Because I definitely understand how you would. I mean, and it is gross. I mean, it is gross to spend a lot. I mean, you know, do what you want with your money. But like, when there is such a wealth disparity, it makes things so much more complicated. And I really wanted to hate Michael for saying that. But unfortunately, he's not wrong. Like, how do you help and also help yourself and also, like, enjoy the fact that, like, you made it and not feel guilty about that, you know? I I could understand what he was saying. Um, Then we have Sarah come over. Sarah is Michael's ex-wife and they have a great relationship. Like they share kids. They share, they have custody of the dogs together. She's talking about how she brought food for the dog. And Juliana's like, this is really weird for me. They're just like, I completely understand the necessity of them having to get along with each other. It's like, and it's nice, but I do feel a little bit jealous that, that they, you know, and I, and I get that because they do have such a history and for them to still have this pleasant relationship, it, I, I imagine it's very intimidating, even if you feel secure in your relationship. Um, so Sarah, they're, you know, giving updates about the wedding. Oh, by the way, <laughs> apparently Sarah's married to like, she recently got married to a guy who's like, I guess from the Bronx, he's like a rapper slash magician. I'm going to look that up more on that later, but, um, uh, so Sarah, they're telling her like, you know, what the deal is with the wedding. And she, they said, you know, that they haven't been able to find an efficient because, you know, with the, um, time constraints that it just wasn't going to work with scheduling. And she was like, well, if, you know, push comes to shove, like I am happy to get my officiates license and marry you guys. And Juliana's like, uh, uh, <laughs> it was like, I guess she can do it, but she's, I don't want her in any of the pictures. I'm like, damn, Juliana, get it. Then Sarah makes things very awkward by asking if they had had any conversation about a prenuptial agreement. Juliana has no idea what this is, but Sarah explains that like she purely wants to know just because of Max and Cece's future. She's like, I just want to make sure that like, Financially, they're taken care of to the way they should be. And they start to have this conversation and Juliana, like, genuinely does not know what a prenup is. And so she's like, can you explain this to me? Because obviously, like, she speaks pretty good English. And I think, you know, she obviously is picking up on, like, we're talking about money. We're talking about, you know, like, what's going on. So Michael kind of, like, clumsily explains, he's like, you know, like... A prenup is basically, like, we have to decide before we get married, like, if anything were to happen to our relationship, if we were to get a divorce, like, what would happen to our money? What would happen financially? And Juliana gets really uncomfortable, and I don't blame her, and she's like, I think that we should have this conversation one-on-one, and you can really sit down and explain it to me. And this is where we really see... You know, it's it's very easy to see, like, a sugar daddy gold digger vibes 
on the show and I think they tried to do that but I don't think that Juliana like I she obviously is very appreciative of the money and I think that is a motivation for her um but I think she genuinely seems to like Michael and I think she was really uncomfortable with having that conversation and I don't blame her but she also says like you know sometimes that she feels insecure around Michael and she feels like Michael's not telling her the whole truth because or not I I guess she just feels like because of the language barrier that maybe Michael sometimes doesn't give her all the information that she needs she's like I'm you could tell that this really rattled her she's like I don't know what a she calls it a (laughs) pre-nush I don't know what a pre-nush is she's like and I she's like listen I speak Portuguese I don't speak English and so this sounds like a very serious conversation to be had and she's like I just don't want to be left in the dark and she worries about not being privy to everything because of the language barrier and I think she maybe worries that like Michael might try to take advantage of that with the agreement so we'll see that was the end of the episode um we did not get any Robert and Annie um there was another couple that we didn't get um But yeah, that's it. I'm excited for this season. Well, that is it for me. Um, Thank you for listening. If you guys have not yet left a five-star review, please do. If you're going to leave anything less than that, just keep it in your heart. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to the toilet. Tell it to your pet. (laughs) But it's all love over here. So if you guys care to give me a five-star review, I would really, really appreciate it. Um, if you guys have any questions, want any advice, I kind of want to start doing an advice section of the show. Please email me at everyone's business, but mine at gmail.com. I'm also doing like a pop culture advent calendar for the month. So you might want to check that out on Instagram at everyone's business, but mine, I will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Thank me for speaking. I love you. Bye.